With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are here, Ricey and Reavers, to take back every bad thing we've ever said about Miguel Sano. I don't know after, why you've uh, had a problem with him, Pat. After Tuesday night, I don't know how it <laughs> happened that uh, that I was down on him uh, a little bit there. Uh, I looked up the numbers today, by the way. I ended up writing something. We're doing this package in the Thursdays to Star Tribune about what's wrong with the Twins at the quarter pole, and uh, I think it's... Uh, there's many options, but uh, <laughs> my target was Miguel, and then he hit three home runs, right? So uh, Just your luck. But I talked to somebody yesterday, a real good hitting guy. Yesterday morning, I'm talking to him, and basically he says, for two weeks, they got to convince Miguel to give him center, to, to forget about the inside pitch, and to... Think center field. Try sure. to hit everything yep. to center. Try to change that sing, swing plane because he's got this big loopy thing. Now, you know, he's by ha putting the bat up high like he does, he's looping the he's looping to the ball. You mm -hmm. can, you know, we can tell that with the Faribault Lakers. He's right. looping to the ball. So you got to hit it. Instead of being on plane, you got to hit it. You got to be damn lucky to hit it when you're in a loop, right? Right. I mean, when you're on because you reduce your fraction from <laughs> yeah, from yeah. this to about this. Yes, that's right. So he's got this loop. Get the bat down on his shoulder, down there, right behind his shoulder, instead of up here. But the other thing he was saying, give me center field. Tell him, please, Miguel, give me center field for two weeks. Make that your target. Forget the second deck and left field, which is now your target. And when you're a little late. You'll hit it in the right field bleachers, you know, because you're strong enough. Mm -hmm. And when you're a little early or they throw you a breaking ball, your swing will already be there and you'll be hitting home runs to left field. You'll be hit your home runs to left field. You know what I would do, Pat? I would show him on loop every day the home run he hit Saturday against Oakland where it almost hit his hands, yeah, and, and still he still went, yes. went over the right field and wall. that again. one was an accident. That had nothing to do For with... For sure. That had nothing to do with... With hitting intellect, but, but it shows you how strong you are. That, yeah, it'll say, Miguel, see, this is why you don't need to try to pull at 700 feet. <laughs> yes. That's, that's how strong you are. So, but anyway, this conversation I had, he could have wiretapped it when you watched it. I mean, oh, he yeah. Could have, he could have been <laughs> listening when you see what he did last night. And you just got to hope. They didn't look like accidents. You know, they look like he had a plan right the the at bat against lynn when he hit it to center field maybe go whoa wait yeah. a minute that's a professional and, at bat right and there the, and the little cutter inside he kind of took a nice swing at it instead of jumping mm -hmm. out of the yep. you know and following it back he got on it and 
that was a I when I first saw it, I was in the game at that time. I thought he fisted it as a way, but but when I saw it, no, he hit the hell out of it. Oh, it was yeah. a screaming liner. And then uh and then the one to right field. I mean, he's 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 one of the brutes that can hit the ball to right field and in right center field at target field and get it out mm-hmm. as a right handed hitter. Not many of them can. And uh so man, it if he'd just do it, but uh, you know, he just I I don't I think he's he doesn't have any discipline as a hitter and he doesn't have much discipline in his life, I think. But <laughs> he just can't take it to the next day, you know, usually. He he just can't make it, you know. Now you look back at nineteen, he was pretty damn good in July, August and September. Mm-hmm. And this guy was telling me that Rousen Basically, Rousen's strategy was rather than beat on a guy and say, uh, you know, you got to change this, you got to change this, you got to try to hit here. He'd say, okay, where do you want to hit the ball? You know, where you try to hit the ball. And then he'd, then he'd say, okay, let's figure out how you can hit the ball there. You know, like mm-hmm. pulling it, uh, pulling everything. And the idea was that after a week or 10 days, the guy'd say, well, I can't hit the ball there. And right. then, he, then, he'd, then he'd be more susceptible to saying, okay. I should hit it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he he was of the belief that the hitters had to convince themselves. Okay. okay? Which isn't a bad idea, I don't think. And uh, But there are certain guys who are equipped to make that decision, correct? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, and I think he, if you look at that, Second half of 2019, you'd take that all day long. Oh, heavens, yes. 22 home runs and 71 games. And, uh, you know, I you, here's the thing about 2019. We had, they hit three, 307 homer. We had no appreciation for the fact 90% of them had their best year they're ever going to have. <laughs> right. That was the problem. Yes. Kepler, we talked about this a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Best he'll ever be. Yep. Garver, way best he'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it wasn't the atomic baseball completely. It helped that the nuclear baseball helped. But, uh, you know, Polanco, all-star shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. 2019. Uh, For mostly hitting. <laughs> yeah, mostly hitting, yes, yes. But, you know... You got we we always judge as I said this a couple of weeks ago. We have this tendency to judge guys by their best year and say, "Well, this this will be a really good club if only they all have their career only, years. If only yeah. they repeat 2019, and then you then you start saying, but they can't. Right. It's <laughs> that's, that's it. That's like <laughs> you know we all have our best year at doing something, right? Don't mm-hmm. we? And uh, they you know it's 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 hard. That's for sure. But, uh, I mean, it was a a nice lift for a team that was a corpse. Right. Oh, God. Uh, Reason number one million and one why we always need Ozzie Guillen to be involved in Major League Baseball, by the way. Yes, yes. Did you see the tweet? He says, after the Monday night game, piranhas no more. They are now the guppies. (laughs) He does their post-game show. Oh, I thought he was working for MLB Network. I 
I think. Well, oh, maybe but maybe he's, he's doing both. Maybe he's doing but both. I think he's doing the White Sox postgame show. Oh, with, fantastic. Uh, with somebody else. Who else? Another goofball, too. They, um, they're they doing this postgame show. I think he's doing that, but okay. maybe I'm wrong. Oh, that's fantastic. I haven't seen him yet on MLB Network. Well, not MLB. It's the, uh, the it's, I'm thinking the Fox, of the Fox. FS, and, uh, FS1? Yeah, no, yeah he's doing that's that. what I'm thinking of, yep. Which one's Pedro do? He was doing well because he was part of the Fox postseason uh, studio yeah, crew. Pedro's great. Oh yeah, he's Pedro's yeah, he is. terrific. And uh, so yesterday, uh, Tom Rinaldi, remember him? Oh yeah, at ESPN is now at Fox Sports, some entity of Fox Sports. Okay, and they're doing these long form podcasts. And I mean, he might. I mean, this is. I, and like four or five parters on historical type events. Cool, but not you know they're, they're trying to do the stories that aren't the most talked about, most famous, and they're doing one on Lyman Bostock being murdered. Oh, so I had uh, so I, he had me on yes because he saw I, in '88 I did a hundred inch piece on on the tenth anniversary and. Talk to the uncles, talk to the mom, talk to the, you know, people who were in the, talk to the uncle who was driving the car and a great guy. And, uh, and so a, first of all, they sent me a microphone to set up. Did you see that picture? Not it does only, look like sex toys yes. with that little feathery thing. It looks like, uh, it, it, I don't know. That's the, that's the cover for the microphone, but it does look a little provocative. Let me uh, just put it to you this way. After I retweeted it with that um, saying, we had some sport with that on the Garage Logic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, and I was saying, hey, once I get this together, I'm in good shape. And then at the end, she said, uh, FedEx, uh, put it back in that box, and there's a there's a thing on there, and ship it back, which is okay. I don't want the damn thing anyway, because you know, I'd have to leave it sitting in the corner, because I couldn't disassemble it, and then have to put it back together again. Right. You should have. There was three of them on Zoom with me, mm. saying, no, no, now you take that, trying to explain to me what went next, okay. you know. Anyway, but. I was looking up what, and I'd written something about him again in, in 2014 or something, you know, just uh, going back. And I had in there, you know, Lyman, one of the great talkers of all time. And I, and I had in there, I can see Lyman on a panel with Pedro Martinez talking <laughs> baseball. That'd be fantastic because Lyman was... Uh, he, he was, was a quote. A, oh God, was he? A, he was my favorite all timer. He wouldn't, you know, to the point he agitated Rodney because Rodney was moody, you know, sure, very moody. I got along with him, but there were days that, you know, Rodney was one of those rare people who got grumpier when he was having success. You know, <laughs> you know when he was was like, that his way to get himself was, motivated? I, I don't know. When he was hitting four hundred, he was. Damn near. I mean, SI and Time Magazine—they'd come in. They'd, yeah. they'd be okay, but but uh, he he could see villains. You know, I think maybe to you know he didn't want to get overconfident or something. Okay, but uh, but there'd be days when he'd blow off the media, so we'd all go over and see Lyman and be there for fifteen minutes here and you know <laughs> scribbling like crazy because he had comments on everything that ever lived and everything that went on and. Uh, you know, I covered him for his whole time with the Twins, 75, 6, and 7. 
And if he was in the game, there probably weren't more than about 20 of them in three years that didn't have a quote from Lyman about something, you know, because he was so damn easy and to, to quote. But uh, I, I was surprised that I uh, I had that. Uh, I, I didn't. I obviously didn't remember having written that, but Lyman and uh, Pedro would have been uh, fantastic. So sure. you, you mentioned Rodney, and <clears throat> last night in the broadcast, uh, Bramer told a great story about just how different, or and I don't, I don't know if it was from him or if he was telling this from the point of somebody else, but how different the game is today than it was back then. Mm-hmm. And it was Rodney and I forget the other player that were, Rodney was on first and I or second, and I forget who the player was on first. And he says, "Here's the difference in today's game: Rodney and player B double stole." First and second to second and third, and then they each ended up stealing home. Yeah, that would had to be sixty nine then when he had all his steals at home. Guess who was at the plate? Harmon. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> but, but he's uh, just saying they both stole home successfully. But he says there is no chance in today's game you you attempt to no, steal I with. I haven't with, seen him. Yeah, I haven't seen a home steal. All the steals at home now are when the guy throw they get thrown on a second and the ball goes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But as far as straight steal, no. Rodney straight stole seven times in 69 with Martin as wow. his manager. Yeah, well, but, yeah, he did mention that it was the year that Billy Martin was the manager. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I get all this stuff. What would Can you imagine what Rodney would hit in the shift era? Well, they wouldn't shift him, you <laughs> dummies. You think, you think, oh, Rodney's a left-handed hitter. He's coming up. Let's put let's everybody put four on, guys on that side. Let's put every guy on that side. And he'd look and go, huh? Leave this whole side. That's, it's, you, you know, let's let's lose use of logic here. They If they were doing today what they did now, and they found out he had a lot of ground, if he hit a ground, a lot of ground balls, well, he they'd, didn't. They'd the play right him straight side. up. I mean, he, had yeah. a lot of, he hit the ball to left field more than he hit the right field. But the third baseman would play sixty feet from home plate. Then everybody else would play over there. But right. they'd have, they'd take the bunt away from him for sure. You can't give Rodney the bunt for guys. He's the greatest, greatest drag bunter of all time. And that's know? the one gripe I've I've continued to have with Kepler because they'll show how exaggerated that yeah. shift is against him. I'm saying Max, you know, there is nobody standing here. This kid from when they. Did they they played Tampa already, right? Did they play Tampa? Mm-mm, I don't think okay, so. Okay, who's I thought it was against them. The low guy that plays for Tampa. Maybe I was just watching a game. And the second second baseman, right? Yeah. Yep. And he's a good hitter, and he can hit home runs. He took two of them one day. I watched. They, they, they ran over. They just went like that, and he just, you know, twelve feet from the line. Nobody can throw him so, out. So help me understand. Is it just? He doesn't know how to hit it to the opposite I'm field, or is it sure. stubbornness? I no, as far as bunting, I'm talking about. But oh, okay. I don't think they want him to. Even when yeah. there's nobody, nobody over there. No, I mean, if you need one run, you know, in the eighth inning to lead off, but I think they want these guys to take their swings. You know, I I, I don't get it, but uh, you know, I mean, I don't want Nelson Cruz coming up and. Button, but uh, but Nelson Cruz can hit it to the opposite but, field. Yeah, Kepler. Yeah, Kepler is. There's there's no reason for a guy like Kepler when he's leading off not to steal a couple, at least a few bun hits and a few other hits that way. I just don't get it because that you know a lot of times you know it used to be okay. Well, shift not as dramatically as they do now, but then you get inside pitches. They'll shift now and still throw the ball away. You know, it's still mm-hmm. out. You can still go out there and hit it to the left. They're not. They're they're not that perfectionist that they can uh, 
that they can throw everything in her. But a lot of guys, I've seen some clubs that uh, that will take that hit, and I think Tampa is real good. Oh at yeah, it. I've seen Tampa do it; they're good at it. So anyway. That was so. Uh, it's an organizational philosophy more than the the, the yeah, hitter. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't think there's any. I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen that much batting practice this year. They don't do it that much, but I haven't seen a bunting practice. Boy, you know? and I'll tell you what. We were talking about this a little bit before we started, and I don't know what I know. Uh, Kirilov is on his rehab, where he's going to try to give it a go tonight in St. Paul. But boy, Pat, I love this Larnick swing. Yeah. He's got a nice swing. Yeah, he uh, when he gets starts. Producing, he'll be pretty. Once he gets a little, he's a. I heard Smalley say it last night, and he's right. He said, Those two guys, you know, Kirilov, Larnick, and then he mentioned, I think, the Vaughn kid from, uh, from, he said, They know they can hit. He said, When you, when you, they're rookies, they're, they're they come up they're with a little confidence. The yeah. But they know deep in their heart they can hit. Yeah. And that's, there's a lot of rookies who come up who don't know they can hit. You think Kyle Garlick knows he can hit? No. <laughs> no. No. Well, Why is he playing every day, by the way? I don't, what are their options? right-handers. Well, they got to have some outfielder, don't they? Got are you him, are you clamoring for more Jake Cave? Well, he's got a he's out 60-day DL. Oh, so I did I just I must uh, have missed that. He did something to his back. He did some very astute move by him. But uh <laughs> So who do they got they got Garlic Kepler rise and left and uh I got one other out. Then Larnick. That's I guess yeah. they do only have four outfielders. So yeah. If you're not going to play, uh, if you're not going to play Larnick and Wright, you got to play Garlic. I guess. I would have loved to have put a little truth serum last night into Josh Donaldson when they intentionally walked a rise to get to him. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> Josh seems a little fiery, which I what? love. By the you way, you know what? I'm watching the game and said. Tony, you crafty old sob. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, against a right-handed pitcher, right? Because Arise is going to you know yeah, dump it into left center. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, Tony doesn't. Tony's a miserable lout, egomaniac, but he's playing these guys unbelievable on this. Yeah, we you know on on the Urminator hitting the home run. That's uh, you know he's just playing them. He's in a. I I haven't. We're doing this in the middle of the game, but my prediction is Miguel's getting buzzed at some point. You think so? Oh, with 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 this guy? Yeah, this guy loves to have hitters get hit, and then I think his whole deal was, yeah, yeah. We there's unwritten rules in baseball, and remember that I'm now supporting you on this ridiculous unwritten rule. So when I hit your guy in the neck, you're not uh, upset about it, okay? <laughs> you know, because he. Oh yeah, loves to throw it, guys. Oh know? yeah, yeah. It was just funny because I, uh, he, because Bremer goes, you know, they're they're walking a rise to get to Donaldson, and Donaldson gets in the box, and you could see the sawdust just coming off that barrel. He was gripping so. What hard. the hell is wrong with him at third base? He's kicking it all over the place. The one, the first play, I thought, what the hell is going on here? The second one was pretty tough, and yeah, especially but, but it was wet. But he's kicking ground balls yeah, too. Yeah, he is. He's not. He's make not making good throws. He doesn't charge the ball well. I don't know if he used to, but he maybe he's he been told don't you got to protect that calf. We can't have you you know getting hurt again. <laughs> well, hey, he's been playing. Um, yeah, he's not in there today, but he's uh, he's been he's been playing. So you know. So you're saying if they win today, 
and maybe take the two in Anaheim that it, that they're back. It's happening. Is that what you're thinking? I think Phil still's got some leftover T-shirts from <laughs> 2011, right? 2011. 2011. Got back to 44 and 49. So my son, uh, Chris, Mr. Baseball, texted me and said, you know, they have the same record as the 81 team. That's when all the, you know, or 82 team. Okay. The first year in the Dome. Okay. That's when they traded Smalley, Weininger, Corbett, and they traded four guys right early in the year. Okay. And they brought in Bruno. And, and so they had all the young guys that ended up winning the World Series. But that team was, he said, they have the same record, but then that team lost 27 out of 31. <laughs> Wow. I was they so I looked it up. April 30th, they had a two-game winning streak and they were 9 and 13. And the next two-game winning streak was June 23rd and 24th. Oh. And they before that red hot two-game winning streak, they were 16 and 54. They went from they went from <sighs> They went from nine and thirteen to sixteen, and and that's when Gaetti, the great Gaetti, had. He said one day in the clubhouse, he says he's reading the paper and was up town. He says we got to change our name to the Hapless Twins. He said every town we go to, the if it's a, the advanced thing, the 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 story saying we're in town says the Hapless Twins. Come in. He said we should change our name to the Hapless Twins. Rename Minneapolis. Hapless, hapless, yeah, <laughs> hapless, yeah, happle, hapless, or something like that. The hapless twins, on them. but I was with them when they won the two in a row, and it was, uh, it was like, it was like winning games six and seven. They were, you know, they at were the a, dome. They were a bunch of satirical, goofy. They were in Chicago for one of them, and then Toronto, I think. Okay. <laughs> we got her going now. But baby. when you were watching that, and it's probably difficult to say, but could you at least see signs? Oh, yeah, oh hell yes. It's completely different than this. Okay. I mean, you could see the few. You, you knew Gaetti was a player. You knew Herbeck was a player. And Puck wasn't there yet. But you knew there were some players here. Uh, I don't. Gagney wasn't there. Well, the Gagney got there, but I don't think they put him in shortstop. Right so it wasn't away. Gagney part of the Smalley trade? Yeah, but I think. He went to the I, minors. I didn't. I think he went to the minors. Okay, yeah. but you didn't. You know, you didn't. You, but you knew you had something. Yeah. Well, if you know. you've got three quarters of your infield yeah. set, then yeah, you should yeah. be good. But uh, but it was. They ended up actually. They won sixty, so I think they went forty four and forty eight or something like that wow. after after that after being sixteen and fifty four. They lost a hundred and two. They were sixty and a hundred and two. And then they they had a decent. Was it eighty three season? They were okay. Or was they it eighty four? R D that year too. Oh, know? that's RD right. In the Smalley trade, R D in the the four years, the R D era. Could you imagine him pitching in the in the Twitter era? Oh God, it'd be terrible. It'd be terrible. Poor R D. Uh, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I would have given anything to have been on the bus, leaving the Anaheim ballpark, heading to the airport for the. Red Eye, when R.D. got traded, and Puck was running up and down the 
the uh, aisles singing Jimmy Crack Corn, which was R.T.'s theme song when he came in. Puck was running up and down the aisle, leading the whole bus in Jimmy Crack Corn. They were so damn happy he was gone, they couldn't they couldn't stand it. What'd they end up they getting for? Like, nobody disliked him as a guy, but he, he just broke their heart so damn often. I don't know. I can't remember who who they traded. They just basically gave him one. And I I was too young to be at the dome yeah. back then, but I'd love to be to hear the eight thousand screaming fans yelling at him when he'd come into the game. It was eighty. It had to be the spring of eighty five. Twins were in Orlando. This is as hard as I've laughed in my entire life. Tony and R D. Tony's in it. This is this little tiny clubhouse, the size of this right here wow. for, for a major league team. You're wow. right on top of each other. And I'm talking to RD, always good natured. You know, he's. <laughs> yeah, I blew another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> and he's telling me, he said, I said, you know, this is her. How was your winter? Blah, blah. He said, pretty good. He said, except Tony's aunt tried to hit me with her cane. I said, what? <laughs> Tony over there. Then I get Tony over there. And they were on, they were in South Dakota. On that caravan. On the caravan. Sure. And Tony and RD and a couple other guys, this might have been 84. I don't know when he might not. And Tony makes him, you know, Gordette's aunt is like the biggest Twins fan in the world, right? So Tony makes him make this. 80-mile detour to go see her, right? <laughs> yeah. And she's kind of sitting, it's a, it's a, she's sitting in a porch, you know, but not a, you know, like inside a, a, a kind of a porch. And Tony's, and she's thrilled as hell. And Tony says, <laughs> this is whoever it is, whoever was one guy. And this is, you know, one of the, somebody, one of the broadcasters or something. And this is Ron Davis. And she gets this, Horror, horrific. <laughs> he gets this horrific look on her face and the way race raises her cane. She's gonna hit him. <laughs> and RD's joining and telling the story. You know, that's what he and we were just I mean, I was crying. <laughs> I'd have I'd love to try to find that piece. I wrote a piece on it. It was uh, you know All right, so I got the full trade details here. Uh the Yankees sent Gagney and Paul Boris. To the Twins for Smalley. Oh, yeah. And then the Twins, August 13th of 1986, uh, the Twins traded him and Dwayne Coleman to the Chicago Cubs for Julius McDougal, Ray Fontenot, and George Frazier. Oh, Georgie. Georgie was in the bullpen for the 87 team. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah, Georgie. He lost lost two of those World Series games, I think. In St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. In in uh, I think he was the losing. We have to look it up. He was the losing pitcher in a couple of those games. I uh, think. I'm gonna get, I guess that I TK didn't him, go back to him then. I, uh, I he was a good guy too. I remember saying, "Hey, I looked it up because the, there was some guy from the White Sox, the Black Sox of 19 when they threw the World Series mm-hmm. in 1919 or whatever it was." And I says, "You're the first relief pitcher to lose two games in the World Series who wasn't trying." <laughs> How was that comment received, Patrick? <laughs> he was a good guy, though. Uh, that was the great thing about the White Sox when they won. Yeah. In two thousand five. Five. 
Right. You know, nobody in Chicago had won a World Series since 1918. Wow. The White Sox. Nobody in Chicago. In 1919, they, they, they threw yeah, it. Right. You know, and of course, the lead is always the Chicago White Sox who have who have thrown a World Series more recently than they won one, you know, because <laughs> it was, you know, they were, that was like the last time they'd played in it, I think, when they, they hadn't even, no, 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 they lost to the Dodgers in uh, 59, 59, they lost in the Dodgers, the, the Dodger team that couldn't hit, but ran and stole 20. Was La Russa managing that club no, too? No, he wasn't, he wasn't. <laughs> that had to be, I wonder if that was personable Eddie Stanky. What a surly <laughs> son of a gun he was. But uh, I can already tell the kind of guy he was by the nickname you've given that per, that player or, or coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew exactly <laughs> what you were going to say. He's, boy, he was a grouchy old man. Oh, God, he was bad. He came in and I think he came in to manage Texas. And he lasted one day and he, and he quit at Met Stadium. Wow. He came in. They hired him. You know, Eddie Stanky wanted, wanted to get back in it. And he got in the clubhouse and he decided he couldn't stand the modern player and he quit. I would have to look it up, but it was at Met Stadium, I believe, wow. where it occurred. One game, that's yeah, a pretty yeah. good assessment of your yeah. squad. Well, you know, when Mock got his job in 60 with the, you know, he was going to manage the Millers again and they'd won the Junior World Series in 59 or 58 or something. And he was a real six. He was a Red Sox AAA manager here, and he'd been in Minneapolis a couple, three years, I think. And the Phillies manager Eddie Sawyer quit on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> they went. They'd been bad. They went. It'd been bad. They went out and got their ass kicked on opening day, and he quit. <laughs> They called up one and, game and he the, was done. And the guy that was running John Quinn knew Mock from somewhere and called him up. And Mock was like, they hired Mock before the, I think before the Miller season even started. He I, lasted one game. You're reminding me of a great town ball story. Uh, and this was from a friend, so I'm getting this secondhand, yeah. but he's very trustworthy. And I'm not going to name the team because I don't want anybody to get in trouble. This was maybe 10, maybe, maybe 10, 11 years ago, something like that. And, uh, a guy on this team in the uh, northern air, north of the Twin Cities, okay. we'll say. He says, "Say, I uh, I met this guy at work that that plays baseball." And they said, "Well, wow, can't we you know, invite him to practice in March or whatever?" Yeah. And they saw him. He's like, "Oh, you can hit a little." And they were a little light on numbers, so they, yeah. so they signed him. And he because he wasn't from the state, mm-hmm. um, but he met a girl and moved to the area or whatever. But he could play a little bit. He could hit How a little did bit. They get him eligible because uh, he he was living in. The within the 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 okay. area requirement for for and nobody tough. had a contract with him. No, because he j- he had just moved here. Okay, and so there I can't remember if it was their first game or their second game. But it was very early. It's the guy I went went to college with and got to know him a little bit. And at their fir- it might have been their first home game. Um, the, none of the guys really knew him that well. He was kind of quiet, and all of a sudden he was in one of the outfield spots, and a squad car. <laughs> rolled in and he took off jumped man the fence. jumped the fence and took <laughs> off running 
Wow, hey. And they said, well, thanks for everything, bud. <laughs> left his bag, left his everything, his equipment. Probably left his car keys. That's uh, that's the wonder of town ball oh, right there. Yeah. I remember him telling me that story, and I was dying <laughs> laughing. And they, they, were a, they were kind of one of those sad, you know, ran teams and whatever. He said, well, if that's going to happen, it was going to happen to us. He yes. <laughs> what? Uh... Too bad about Trout, huh? Two months without Manny. I saw that. He was having a phenomenal year. I've kind of lost in the shuffle. Somehow, they got the phenomenon of baseball, Otani. Right. They got the best player in baseball, Trout, and they still stink. And Rendon. They have Rendon. He hadn't played all year, but pretty much he's been hurt most of the year. I did not know that. Yeah, he's been hurt most of the year. But plus, you know, as bad as they needed, I love Rendon. You know, he's the guy with... That when I was watching that World Series, oh, if great. I was the other team, he's the guy I don't want up to the plate, right? No, because he's fantastic. Him and Soto, Soto, but but uh, they Otani's like this is incredible. I know this is incredible. The best and, part of that, and they, these guys are way under five. They they shouldn't have spent the money on Rendon. They should have spent it on pitching. Yeah, but the best part of that Nationals run was they did that the year after. Harper left for the Phillies. That yes. was my. Fa- I was cheering like hell for those guys to win the World Series yeah. that year. And you know the other thing about baseball is when you like when you sign Harper and the the Phillies brought him in and that whole town was going nuts and you know and hey we got Harper and we're gonna the, the Phillies will draw three million this year and then if he doesn't hit. The first two weeks is ah, you know, they have a, you know, I mean, there's too, there's too many games. Oh, I know. To, to keep the myth going, you yes. know what I'm saying? Unless he's gonna hit, yeah, you know, if he's four hundred, if he's gonna hit for fine. two months, yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's, you know, you know, football. You go out and sign a quarterback, and you're not gonna turn on him for four or five weeks, right? But in baseball, it could be, yeah, let's get. Yeah. I thought he was, you know, and, and the modern fan is so immediately you know they want immediate gratification is doesn't accept the idea that even the best hitters don't hit for two weeks no you know sometimes you know rodney would hit 150 for two weeks but they say why can't he do this every night yeah he's like joe why why, why doesn't he do that that's what he's saying about snow right now why doesn't he do that every night what the hell's going on here that would be 480 home runs joe that's why but uh anyway it's uh, uh, you know, it is a fascinating uh, a game because here's the reasons. In addition to 162, it is. I, I keep saying this. The thing about these guys are, they gotta get, they gotta get better five times. Mm-hmm. It's the only sport. Yep. Where you gotta get better five times. You know, I don't understand how a guy who has a having a hard time catching up to class A pitching mm-hmm. will five years later be back mashing the ball in the big leagues. Right. You know? But there's there's something about adjusting, I guess, to the adjusting your eyes, adjusting your reflexes to hit at a higher level. But it's uh it's a it the talent it takes to hit. It's the hardest thing in sports. I don't care what anybody says. Not physically, but as a art, mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing to do in sports. No question. And uh, 
and how you keep getting better and better and better. And, you know, okay, and it's now just a- that you've conquered Elizabethton, go face better guys and then better guys and then better guys mm-hmm. and then better guys. So, anyway, it's still we uh, – how long did that game take last night, by the way? It had to be four, didn't it? It was close because I was flipping back and forth between the wild game. Was it always 0-0 zero, zero when you flip back? Well, I'm getting very tired of flipping to the wild <laughs> games and seeing 0-0. Zero, zero. Well, here's what's funny is when they score, when the wild scored first, yeah, all right, we're doing this, and then here come the Boom, Knights. 14 it, seconds later. And right? you knew they're in trouble now because the momentum was all on I, but the I look at side. the. I mean, I don't know much about the Knights, but – I look at that roster. I don't say, "Ooh, they got him." You know, I mean, it's, uh, they have Flurry, the goalie. They do. He is damn good. Still, well, the, our guys, our guy won the first game, and Flurry won the second game. So, right, right. I got. I think I told Judd this this morning. We should have a height limit on goalies. They can only be six feet, <laughs> and they got to go back to wearing the same pads. Gump war. There's. They take up too much of the net. <laughs> they get hit with the puck too often. Right. We got to make it possible to score. Or how about stand further away from the net? Yeah. yeah how maybe. about that? Put the goalie circle maybe. out yeah, here right. instead of back you got, here. You can't go back into the. <laughs> do something. Do something. God almighty. As I once told Tom Reed 35 years ago when he was doing the gopher hockey, and I was up covering a series in Duluth, and they went in like. This was back when they settled him. It must have been a playoff game because it was like two overtimes. And he was so hard up for guests, he's got me. And he says, what would you do to improve hockey? I said, I had one idea. I'd melt the ice and put two baskets down at each end. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, that was, he thought it was funny, but I'm not sure his audience did. He and said, well, sh- Patrick, thank you for I, some I'm not time. sure whatever the outlet was back then, Midwest Sports Channel or somebody like that. So anyway. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, what else? Uh, what's uh, your guy Jake? Did he make it successfully to a High Point? Do as far we know? as I know, I, f- I think he made it because I have not heard of, uh, otherwise. Kathy Viola, I wrote the thing on Jake that yep. got in the online, and then Kathy Viola tweeted it out that welcome to the Rockers, Jake. Nice. Kathy Franks is his pitching coach. You know? Okay. And uh, and uh, I'm just wondering about the if indeed the guys on the team. I'm wondering about the attitude that Logan Morrison's going to bring to the Rockers since he was PO'd that he was making only $6 million when he was playing for, the, uh, playing for the Twins that year. Lance Lynn has done, as, for the failed signees of 18, was it? Yes. 18. The failed signees of 18, Lynn's done a little better than uh, Logan Morrison. And made a little bit more money, too. Yes, yeah. yeah. Logan made his six, and then that was his last hit. But he's on that deep. You know, some of them can't give it up, right? I mean, I mean, for a pitcher, why give it up? Yeah, because if you could hit 90, yeah. someone's going to yeah, give you a chance. You know, if you could get to St. Paul. You're gonna, oh, you're getting if you in. you get to St. Paul, you're going to be over there sometime. Right. You know. Although we cut cut loose. What's his name today? Derek so, Yeah. I couldn't get a break. <laughs> or an out. <laughs> or an out. <laughs> Luke Farrell is now the latest. Uh, he was a pretty good pitcher about four I did love years the uh, the buildup to the debut for the kid last night, and then I saw those first couple innings. I Wowzers. think Bailey, uh, he throws, 
It said 93 on a couple on the board. Did it? Okay. But it, didn't look, but it doesn't look like a very good breaking ball. Because the He's, fighting Carver Bulldogs were taking the field last night, so I didn't get a chance to I, – I, I could see the updates on my phone, but I didn't get to listen to the game until about 8 o'clock. Six foot nine, and he sits at about 90, and then the breaking ball is not too – but here's the other thing. You know, his strikeout totals in the minors are huge. Yep. But he had about five pitches – that are strikes in the minor leagues. You know that they give you the benefit. They give you the, you know, they give you the pitch. Yep. You're facing big league hitters. You're not getting those pitches. No, no, you know? no, no. I've I've seen. I mean, and it's not just now. It's always been that. I remember Eddie Gardado was the phenom of Nashville as a starter, and I went. I saw that team because I was supposed to be the future. Cordova was there, and all these guys. And Eddie would throw the ball eight inches off the outside corner, and they call a strike. He got up here, and he's not Maddox, right? right. So he'd, he'd throw it two inches on the corner, and they'd call it a ball. And <laughs> Eddie had to adjust, you know. And that's what this kid, too. But I think he's going to have to become a six-foot-nine side armor with a big sweeping breaking ball and, and you know, kind of kind of go he's that way. He's six-nine? Holy he's crap. He's six-nine, yeah. Wow. He, and he's, you know, he's... Yeah, there wasn't much there. There wasn't much yeah. there. I didn't just think. the highlights I saw alone. It didn't look very good. No, no. But what the hell? We uh, Pineda. They put Pineda on the DL. He had some cyst removed or something. Really? Yeah. Is he just another one of those guys? He's just something's always going to come up during the year. I guess so. Because he, you know, he's never pitched bad for the Twins as in a stretch. outside of when he's been suspended. But yeah, yeah. no. But well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When he's available, he's been he's been pretty know, good. Yeah, pretty consistent. But he's, you know, he's not a not available. <laughs> That's not too often, though, that you can give somebody a start for Pineda, who's taller. <laughs> you know, That's true. He's one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. So, <laughs> anyway, all right, let's do this again next week. This is the Ricey and Reavers broadcast. What's the uh, What's uh, what's the Lakers uh, schedule this weekend? This is our first two for Patrick. Uh, we go Friday night at Shakopee, and mm. then Sunday afternoon at Montgomery. The Fighting Mallards on Sunday. All right, and uh, so uh, the uh, the your ace uh, your ace right hander is now in High Point, North Carolina, but that's okay. Yeah, well, maybe he'll be. No, we don't want him back. We want him in the big leagues. No, uh, you'll like you'll love this. Back for this is another tournament. great town ball story. We went through the he went through the whole dugout to say, "Hey, thanks for having me," and we all, of course, said, "Good luck." And then uh, one of the guys he went to high school with, he's in our shamble, and they are mm. shambles. Patrick are noted for their bullish honesty and profanity yeah. and his, so archie arch was the last one and he says i'm not wishing you bleeping good luck i want your ass back here tomorrow well they've been buddies you know since they were in kindergarten true. or whatever but yeah that was pretty good he's not related to the uh russ Archambault. no i don't think so okay. i do not all think right. so all right russ who ended up indirectly getting our guy clem exposed yes he did having you know somebody write papers for the for a which is now like everybody's writing papers for him. well that's I mean, all you guys put do? the banners back up that's right Put them back up all right we'll see you
EcoFun has e-bikes in stock. And why is that important? Because every other bike retailer is out of stock and will not be getting new e-bikes until December or January. You can't even get one for Christmas from them. The weather is warming up, so if you are in the market for an e-bike scooter or ATV, go to EcoFun right now. EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake. Talk with Tim Bloom. The owner of EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake, Tim and his family will help you select the e-bike that is right for you, and they will deliver it to your front door in the metro area. Right now, EcoFun has Bentelli e-bikes and Yamaha motor assist bikes in stock. EcoFun also carries the full line of Yamaha scooters, motorcycles, and a wide variety of Yamaha ATVs, including ATVs for kids. Check out EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake and online at EcoFunMotorsports.com and tell Tim that that old bicycler Patrick Racy sent you. This is Reavers once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And Josh has a very basic question for you. Do you know what you own? You see, Mr. Money Talk's clients, and that's Josh Arnold, by the way, they always know what they own. He has found out that most people that he meets with every single day, they have no idea. Josh has seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds, and there are real instances of people that are paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that these bonds currently yield. Josh begs of you, know what you own. You see, trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Take it from me that you can trust Josh. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation with absolutely zero obligation. Call him at 952-925-5608. Once again, that's 952-925-5608 for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. This is Patrick Gracie with the Canopy Group. What does dedication, perseverance, resilience, and accomplishment best describe today? The Canopy Group believes it's the graduating classes of 2021. What we are most proud of for these graduates is their ability to overcome challenges in their pursuit of future opportunities. True to their perseverance and resiliency, these students are finding new ways to celebrate their milestones and their success on this journey. It puts a smile on all of our faces as we drive through communities and see dozens and thousands and hundreds of yard signs. It uh, It is amazing that what these graduating students have gone through, and they deserve the spotlight for they are Minnesota's future. Please join the Canopy Group in honoring your friends, relatives, and neighbors who represent the graduating classes of 2021.